0: What's going on, everybody? It's the Sports Q. It's CG. One more time with Texas Mike as we come back with another episode, a wonderful, amazing episode of the Sports Q. Make sure you hit that follow, hit that subscribe. Check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts everywhere. You can find us, let us know, comment, talk about what's going on. It's has weather always been weather projections always been a thing in baseball or is this new? Like it it seems like all the MLB teams postponed because they were looking at weather. And they were looking like way ahead in the forecast to go ahead and postpone the games. Has that always been a thing? Because I know even in like the Philly area, the New York area, like the weather was a little hit or miss today. It wasn't like it, it was just raining all throughout the day and you knew it was going to be postponed. It was kind of like, well, around six, you might see some rain.
1: You know, CG, I think the proliferation of smartphones and then just weather data in general makes it a lot harder to get people to show up at a ballpark when there is a high probability that there will be rain in the forecast. I mean, the Astros were just delayed as well because of this weather front moving into Minnesota. So, no, this is definitely a new thing. They're just getting smarter about Captain Obvious elements.
0: Do you think it's extra cautious because some of these are season openers, like home openers at some of these squads that they just want to make sure it's a perfect environment because you don't want a half-empty stadium with weather delays and everything on your home opener? I don't even know if that's a superstition in baseball.
1: Well, I think that plays into it. I mean, obviously, in the Midwest and the Northeast, we're not exactly in the best weather. I mean, that's your locale right now. With that being said, I think we're going to see this throughout the season. You're just going to see less disruption.
0: Yeah, pitch clock. Changing up the uh, the weather scheduling as far as postponing games ahead of time and maybe taking it a little easier on the fans. We'll see what ha- what happens with makeup games and double headers, and and will we see a triple header? Would that ever become a thing, or would that be too much to ask? Not enough hours in the day.
1: No, I mean that's like a communist work ethic. There, uh, <laughs> we don't need to see that. But what you failed to mention was, I love seeing the lack of the shift. Look at Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker without the shift in play.
0: Beauty. Yeah. They're, they're, you could sit on two sides of the argument because sometimes you just got to hit around it. But if you are playing to that player's strengths and it's, it's giving you a defensive advantage, then uh, maybe it's better to not have that. And you're seeing some of the runs. I, I haven't seen the run production as a whole, but it seems like numbers are up.
1: Numbers are up. And this is a general rule. Anything in pro sports that could possibly quell your offensive numbers, you should try to suppress those type of strategies. One thing I like is the renaissance of the stolen base and the success rate. That is something I've really enjoyed. I mean, we grew up with 80s baseball, early 90s baseball, where Vince Coleman, Ricky Henderson, those guys would run at will. You're not quite seeing that, but with the throwout rate as being like 12 or 13 percent, you're going to see more guys running than ever.
0: Yeah, one zero two one. I think we look forward to seeing that in the playoffs. But I don't know if you necessarily want that on your normal Tuesday afternoon game that you're, you know, just going to hang out. You want to see some runs. As an Astros fan, you like to see. It almost always seems like there's runs. It's very rare that you're in a two nothing, three nothing type scenario.
1: There's nothing wrong with the classic pitchers duel, but runs is what sells tickets. Offense sells tickets. It makes it exciting. It gets people out of the seats. I mean, there's a limited scope where you can really appreciate the true nuances of a pitcher's duel.
0: Pitcher's duel is better on TV, too, because you can see the ball, where it's going to hit the strike zone. You can see the reaction and the emotion. If you're, you know, three sections up, it's a little tougher to get that same feel unless you're going for some sort of history-making performance, no hitter, perfect game, things like that, to where you can feel that energy.
1: Yeah, I got over to the Astros opening day, and I was up in the nosebleed because tickets were quite expensive but you're there for the experience and just seeing the banner unveiled and everything like that opening day to me is actually might be the most fun besides some kind of world series clinching moment, which I have not witnessed live because there's no tension in the ballpark and everybody's in a good mood because yes, it's great that baseball is starting again. And then you have the old banners on the side, the old classic Americana from world war one that made the sport that it is. But you don't have any of that stress or tension because if you lose at the end of the day, which the Astros first time in ten years that they lost an opening day, ah, you know what? There's a lot more left to play.
0: Nobody's going to have more fun than Dusty Baker. He's already gotten over that hump. He's uh, he's he's accomplished what he needed to accomplish in his career. I think this is just kind of a. Uh, enjoy the ride and we'll see what happens uh, whether they win the world series again or whether they you know fall short i don't think it's going to matter much to dusty baker it's it's he's he's accomplished what he was there to do and what his career was meant to do
1: yeah i mean at this point he's a hall of fame manager especially when you calculate in his playing career i think that's unquestionable now now he's playing with house money if they get another
0: one Definitely playing with house money. Check us out on the sports queue. Don't forget to hit that subscribe. Tell your friends, let us know. Let's talk about the final four. We were talking about our brackets, which were terrible. We burned those up in the first couple rounds, uh, but you take the final four that we talked about on last week's show. It, it kind of played out to the way that I guess I, I expected, right? I mean, when we go to selections, San Diego state ends up playing UConn. Uh, and I guess let's talk about that first. Let's talk about those final four matchups that did happen. And what did you take from them? If anything.
1: Well, let's go to the the first matchup. I mean, that was somebody that witnessed that live San Diego State, Florida Atlantic. That was clearly the game of the final four.
0: That's right. So talk about about that atmosphere. I mean, talk about the final four and what it was like to go see a final four right there in Houston.
1: First of all, it was excellent. The weather was excellent. So it made for a festive environment. Florida Atlantic. They're they're shooting at a great clip, right? They're 60 something percent on twos. They're they're rolling along. They're looking awesome. San Diego State just kind of plodding. And then at some point, it's just Florida Atlantic, despite all their experience and how well that they've been able to close teams out in the other matchups, they completely lose it. And San Diego State, their elite defense and just how they play, just chipping away, you know. Do you, you know, get the ax out Minnesota style and that buzzer beater. I got a beautiful video of it. I mean, that was one of those where he dribbles in the corner, he shifts to the left. Like, what is this guy doing? Is he brain dead? He hits it. That's the first time I've seen a a walk-off like that in that situation. It was was a memorable moment, you know, San Diego state being senior laid in this probably there's there, they're going to be ranked next year, but this was their best chance to ever get into the title I think Florida Atlantic is going to be ranked probably top 10 going into the next year. They should be. They're legit. They're a good team. To me, that was the best game. I mean, UConn, Miami, UConn just kept doing what they have been doing. They were like a buzzsaw. We had this massive group of Miami fans in front of us, about 25 year old fraternity reunion. And I felt really bad for them because they just never really got their mojo going and Sonoga was dominant.
0: Take me back about the the two games. So if you buy one ticket, are you in for both games? Like, how, how does that ticket work for the Final Four?
1: Absolutely. It's the Saturday session and the Monday final. So you get a ticket,
0: you come in, you have tickets for both games. Same seat? Absolutely. Oh, that's money. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pricey or, you know, you know.
1: Um, in my case, it was not pricey because I got them at face value because I was really lucky and won sure. the lottery through the NRG, which was the second time I also got in 2011. Sure. If you were getting them on the secondary market, they were quite pricey.
0: Yeah. It did, how, how did it feel? We talked about the Blue Bloods and having some of the big names and some of the big name schools at Duke and North Carolina. Did it feel any different? I mean, obviously, going and seeing these teams that are different brands, different types of players, do you did you feel like anything was missing from the final four that you were missing some of that atmosphere or not really?
1: No, I mean, when you look down into that student section, UConn maybe had half their allotment. The other schools were a lot more successful in filling that. I guess if it would have been all blue bloods, you could imagine that that would have been packed in the house. But no, the energy is well. You know, you you see you see all types of jerseys, all different things. I mean, I showed up in my LSU garb. support the women's national champions by the way and it's it's nonetheless it's the final four it's a special event i encourage anybody to go that has the opportunity
0: to which fan base that brought it the most out of those four that you felt like i mean once again
1: yukon owns houston you know 2011 kimba walker and now it's sunogo and friends in 2023 so it keeps going final four in houston's a stomping ground for them
0: yeah so talking about Dan Hurley and talking about UConn and what they accomplished he said it and he seemed to Dan Hurley seemed very calm through this whole process if you watch his demeanor and I felt like he was a bit more fiery but I might be thinking more of Bobby than than thinking about Dan but he he kept it simple he said look I've got 3 NBA players out there and then I just surround them with role players they were not just beating team I mean they were throttling teams in this tournament from start to finish none of these games were really close maybe a moment in the second half where san diego state started some of those shots started to drop and they started to cut the margin i think they got it to eight at one point so they got it to single digits uh, but you just they had so much firepower they could continue to throw bodies at you they could continue to hit the outside shots and they dominated down low if they dominate you from the outside and the inside you, where else do you have on the court to go uh, besides maybe turnovers you know, and fast break points, but San Diego state just could not create enough opportunities like that to be able to, to beat a team like this.
1: No, I mean, their offense clearly was not dynamic enough if UConn was playing well. And when we brought that whole point up on this podcast, you got two or three studs and role players and you got some luck and some good coaching you can make a run in the tournament. I, and, and you saw that with UConn. I mean, they lost in the semifinals in the Big East tournament. They were not exactly coming in here, oh, wow, they just rolled everybody in a very deep Big East. Watch out for them. No, they they lost in the semifinals. They didn't even make it to the finals.
0: Yeah, and so does this teach us anything about teams moving forward when you take a look at the big dance and you take a look at Final Fours, programs that are doing it the right way, that want to find those NBA-type players and then surround them with talent? Um, does North Carolina, I I guess they've already been following that method, right? Except their NBA players have been so young. I mean, they've had, you know, freshmen that are ready to go in the NBA now, and that's it.
1: Big thing that I think has really changed the dynamic in college basketball is effective use of transfer portal. That is a situation where you can get players to move in, if that is scouted well and supplement your roster and anybody can make a run because it's not like it used to be, the game has changed for a while. You don't have to be that blue blood. This is what this has proven. I, I think we did a good job of breaking it down last time that it's more wide open than it's ever been. And it's not like these transfer portal players that made impacts on UConn and Florida Atlantic were guys that got, you know, some kind of massive NIL deal that's all over the press somewhere. These are under the radar guys that have come in and they've helped out. And I think that's, that's what you need to do. You just have to have the astute coach who can identify that and bring that in. It's been a, it's been a game changer. I think, yeah, it's not my favorite thing in the world, but it has made college basketball more exciting when it seemed like it's always exciting in a tournament, but where it, it was stale in some areas
0: longevity and that long-term success for a program like a UConn, you know, like San Diego state, you know, playing their brand of basketball. Uh, You talk about Florida Atlantic and them having the opportunity, Jim Laranaga. Did I hear, is he done? Was that retirement for him? It sounded like they were saying that he was pretty much finished after that, that run.
1: That's the impression that I got. And you know, that's the reason I was rooting for him because he'd be walked off with this as a champion I mean, he's a Hall of Famer bar none. He's a great coach. And Miami's still going to be a solid program. They have a lot of talent coming back. I think you see all four of these squads. I mean, UConn has to be your preseason number one. But you're seeing all four of these squads in the top 20 next year in the preseason poll. And you're way too early.
0: Yeah, it's good to get to know different schools and different brands and see some of these other programs emerge. And and that's going to push some of these other schools. Uh, You know, UCLA seem like they're right on the brink. I think UCLA is maybe another run or two, year or two from the West Coast side um, to be able to put that together. So I could see that happening. Uh, As far as the East Coast teams, you know, Kentucky seems to be loaded as far as recruiting, which is nothing new. Uh, for kentucky but is it going to be the right blend of guys that really is what it comes down to right and your web is not going to be showing up at any uh college or university but Bronny james will be heading to a college or university near you
1: i mean i don't blame him it's not like he needs the nba money
0: he wouldn't look bad in a houston uniform i think that style of play would kind of suit him wouldn't it
1: that would be the best recruit that they have gotten since Steve Olajuwon <laughs> when Steve Olajuwon was a lesser-known figure. <laughs>
0: it's a sports queue at CG with Texas Mike, as we talked about the Final Four, talked about the selections. I'm on a little bit of a hot streak here. I got, I got another winner. I had the win- Super Bowl winner. Now I get the Final Four connection. I get UConn. I I, I, I get UConn in a runaway there. So feeling very good. Very, Very favorite. Uh, Very chalky, as you you might say, as far as my selections. But we're going to get into our second segment here in just a moment on the sports queue. We're going to talk about uh, some of the draft recap as we're getting closer to the NFL draft that'll be coming up here in just a second. And we're back here with segment number two, taking a look at the NFL draft. We get closer and closer. You start to evaluate some of the talent. You start to see some of the players. You've talked about Bryce Young at length. You've said that's the pick don't walk run to the podium and make that selection uh, hand that cue card to Roger Goodell to make the selection does he even use the cue card does he even use the index card he does right does he still get handed an index card from somebody
1: oh i think he does i mean it's not digital <laughs> pronounce something we
0: we, we have to he'll the be digit. more prepared i mean and
1: you're a professional announcer cg and can you pronounce the names correctly when you've had prep time
0: well, that's true. Yeah, you would you would have to get some sort of way to read it, I guess, and take a look at it. But you would think digital. You could go digital with it, right? Like if he's just walking with a tablet back and forth, sponsored.
1: <laughs> I hope he do something. He's butchered so many names over the years. I mean, it, 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 it's kind of sad, honestly. I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> There's chatter right now that I'm hearing and things that I'm seeing. And maybe it's just basically people trying to create a bit of uh, a stirrup. It seems like Carolina is possibly favoring Bryce Young at that number one selection now. Uh, how do you feel about this? You've you've said that you feel like this is a slam dunk pick. It sounds like the Panthers potentially think you are correct in that assertion. Um, would this disappoint you a lot if they end up taking him uh, and you end up with C.J. Stroud, for instance?
1: Yes, it would, because it proves that Lovey Smith did the worst thing in the world by winning that last game knowing that he was getting the boot and going out the door, you don't ever forfeit the right to get the number one pick when you have Drew Brees 2.0 sitting right there in front of you. And now you have an opportunity to get checkmated by the Carolina Panthers. To me, it's, it's the layup. I've been saying it all along, and you've seen the reports that come out about the cognitive processing. It backs up everything we've been saying on this podcast for a while now.
0: Yeah, I think through the evaluation process, I think you're starting to see Bryce Young really start to move up. Uh, you're starting to see some of the concerns about his height, his size, and all these other things um, really not factor in too much. I think it's a lot of second-guessing. It's just a lot of throwing different names out there, maybe something to help you know stir the pot as far as the trade rumors and see if somebody wants to just give you a king's ransom for all those picks. Uh, if you did end up with C.J. Stroud, how much does this change? Uh, your mentality how much does this change your outlook at the quarterback position Uh, would you want to see possibly a different quarterback selected by uh, than cj than cj stroud if if he's the second one off the board potentially
1: no i think cj stroud is the clear number two he has tons of physical talent he has the arm strength he has the pocket presence where it changes is the off script plays he doesn't seem to be this Bryce Young has a little more charisma in my opinion. I mean, this is just me, just from watching college football and CJ Stroud. The, Stroud has everything. I think that it takes from a physical nature, but if I was going to hedge my bet and you said, you can like pick one or two of these guys, I'm going Bryce Young every time. And, and that's not a knock on CJ Stroud. He he might become the better pro. And there are a lot of his physical attributes says that that could be the case, but I just I, I when you have the accuracy, the anticipation, you've been built up as much as Bryce Young as the Alabama pedigree. I mean, I can go on and on and on. I think that's the guy. And I'm just disappointed that the Texans are not in control of their own destiny with this pick and are subject to the whim of Carolina.
0: It sounds like you think that Carolina is going to go this route. It sounds like you think they're going to take Bryce Young.
1: I mean, Josh McCown is making these comments. He's their quarterback coach. I mean, not that he is the guru of everything, but at the end of the day, is it a smokescreen? Why do you got to make a smokescreen when you're number one and you moved up there? So there might be some truth to it.
0: Yeah, it might just be the obvious thing to do that they moved up. They wanted to get Bryce Young, and this is going to end up being their selection. Will Levis seems to be working out with some of the familiar teams that we've seen. looks like Indianapolis wanted to have a really intense workout with him. He's going to go off the board probably the number three quarterback, you know, and Richardson probably goes as that fourth. And then that's when we get into that conversation we had on another show when we talked about Who's going to go in the top five? Do you see any major shuffling going on? It seems like the Jalen Carter stuff has has, uh, kind of calmed down a little bit. It seems like that that they're not as concerned with what's going on with that situation. It's just a a legal thing that he's going to have to get through. You've got your quarterbacks. A lot of it seems set. I, I don't think you're going to see a ton of movement or a ton of surprises unless there's some team that absolutely pulls some shockers. And there's some teams out there that still have not signed a guy like an Aaron Rodgers that, who knows? I mean, things could get really hectic uh, should some of these these big names not end up where we think they're going to end up.
1: People don't overreact to the legal, personal situations like they used to. I just think there's so much more data available. I don't think Jalen Carter goes outside the top five, honestly. He's a top five talent. This situation will eventually move to the wayside. And you got to look at this, this is a potential... Guaranteed four years with a fifth-year option. So something that has happened here in the last few months, are you going to let that cloud your judgment for five years? Everything in analytics, they don't do it.
0: Yeah, it it just seems like he's solidified himself in that top five. Probably the top defensive player off the board. I guess Will Anderson gets hurt the most in this because he was the guy that was talked about a potential one or two, but the desire to get a quarterback is going to push him back. Regardless, could it push him out of the top five?
1: I mean, Will Anderson to me is a top five talent. Um, you never know. There's always somebody that falls in this scenario when you have two quarterbacks that are guaranteed to go somewhere in the top three.
0: Yeah. And some of these positions have got to scare you. I, I, you know, when you go this high with a top five draft pick, quarterback seems like the obvious one a a once-in-a-generation receiver that we may see like a Marvin Harrison Jr., he would be a top-five guy that a lot of people would look at. A defensive end, somebody that can make big plays, we've seen it. Jadavion Clowney, some of the bigger names to go, number one, number two. Linebackers, it's a little tougher to read. I, I think that you can find those studs. But even a guy like Micah Parsons, we've seen what he's done and what he can do. I mean, where would you stack Micah Parsons against Will Anderson? Obviously, now a little bit different, seeing what he's gone on to do in the pros, but coming out of college, where do you see them comparing with one another from what you see talent wise, how their game can transfer to the NFL game? And we'll, and because we, we'll probably see Will Anderson go higher than Micah Parsons ended up going in his draft.
1: Well, Micah Parsons was, you know, a five star top defensive player recruit who I think got limited by the whole. Covid sitting out a season. you know that was a little bit of an anomaly in the draft process. in my opinion, I think if he would be in this draft, he would be on par with the will Anderson from a physical ability perspective. You know, it's one of those where if you're an Alabama player of that ilk, you sometimes get maybe slightly downgraded based on your supporting cast and your coaching. So it, it's a tough call, but I mean, he's obviously a, a fresh talent that, will be a major impact when he gets in the league. I don't see him being a total bust.
0: Yeah, I think that he'll be just fine. But the Alabama linebackers, they got to scare you a little bit, right? Like they've had, we've had some really good successful ones and then just some uh, okay ones as well.
1: D'Amico Ryans, come on.
0: It's a sports queue at Texas Mike at CG talking about the NFL draft and some of the outlook. I can't believe the NFL always stays in the headlines throughout the year. No matter what, you always end up talking about him. We're going to be talking about the draft soon and, and where it's hosted. It was a smart move. They have made some smart moves, moving it around from city to city to city. Absolutely the right move to make uh, to take it out of New York and, and move it around was the move. Um, any other things that you could see that the NFL could possibly do? I guess the Pro Bowl is the only thing that they could really jazz up a little bit. But like I say, I think they're going to go that Fan Fest route. If they just go Fan Fest, I think that's the way to go.
1: No, I like the way they're going with it because none of the players actually want to play football in it. So just get them out there, get them visible, you know, let them get an experience that they're honored for being one of the best players in the league, but at the same time, not risking life and limb, for nothing. I mean, some of the worst football injuries ever. Remember Robert Edwards in the beach football game and the destruction of his knee. So I can understand being a professional football player, not wanting to just go trot around and take hits for nothing.
0: And let's talk about that because there was a story that came out today and whether or not it's true. Uh, Tyree Hill, he likes to go on on podcasts. He's not shy about being on a microphone. And he's he's got other aspirations outside of football. He wants to do other things. He says he's going to retire uh, at the end of this contract with the Miami Dolphins, which will come up in 2025. So a couple of years for the Miami Dolphins at 31 years old. Do you see that as a real thing that Tyreek Hill is going to end up doing, or is this just something for him to say because he's secure in his contract? He knows that he's as solidified as a player with the Dolphins. Uh, he's going to be one of the uh, more highly touted players during the season, uh, and he doesn't have those worries or concerns or things to think about, I guess, right now.
1: I'm going to call the bluff there. The guy's got too much speed to walk away at 31. I can see him doing it at 34 when his speed starts to decline a little bit and he's not able to get instant separation like he is. But there's no way he's retiring at 31. Yeah, I mean, he's got the money to do whatever he wants. But at the end of the day, the reason he is famous is because he is a great football player. I've not seen him do things outside in the acting world or the commercial world or anything else that leads me to believe that he's going to be some instantaneous you know, actor-celebrity the second he walks off the football field.
0: Well, he says he wants to get into the gaming world and, and, you know, gaming can kind of go either way. I think if you get into a gaming product, you're going to have to invest a lot of money and they're going to want you to invest a lot of money in that technology. It costs a lot of money to try and get those things going, even if it's just a team of people that go and play in in different regions. So we'll see. I mean, if he's earned his money and he feels like he's ready to step away, um, running back Robert Smith comes to mind, you know, he was ready to step away and and walk away from the game. And he did. So, you know, it's just, you never know when these guys are going to make the decision that they just want to step away and, and do what they want for the, uh, for their career.
1: Ask Kurt Schilling how his gaming experience went.
0: Uh, We'll come right back here. We're coming back with the third segment here on the sports queue back with a third segment here on the sports queue at CG with Texas Mike, just rolling right through things. So we got to talk about a little soccer. We got to get on the pitch. We talk about EPL, you talk about the season. We got that big matchup coming up uh, th- that we talked about with the two at the top of the table. But uh, another story that's come out and and something that we've seen is Lionel Messi is now going to be um enticed by the the Saudi league and, and the rival to cristiano ronaldo a lot of money and a lot of uh checks being signed behind their names we're seeing it in golf we're seeing it in soccer uh or uh, if the saudis end up coming up with an, a saudi football league things may just go crazy uh, in this country
1: i would unfortunately it seems like yes the saudi arabian league is becoming the retirement pasture zone. I, From Messi's perspective, look, man, like you come to the MLS if you're going to do a retirement tour so I can watch you play. I will never watch one minute of Saudi soccer outside of some highlight that might end up on center somehow.
0: Because it's probably going to be, what, a four-year contract, I'm sure, that, you know, three or four-year deal, or is it one-year deals? They're not playing on one-year deals, are they?
1: Oh, I don't If you're their agent, come on.
0: Well, you but I'm saying... Deal? No, but I'm saying if you if you if you got three four year deals, so now Lionel Messi, because I think eventually he will do that tour in the United States, but are you gonna want to see him on the very tail end of his skills and to where he, he almost isn't playing the full 90 minutes or something like that? You know, it's just it's hard to to gauge when the right time is for him to come to the States and become an even bigger star than he already is.
1: Oh, I think when his contract's up at PSG, he should. I mean, you got Young aspiring fans like my nine-year-old daughter asking me all the time when she can go watch Messi play. So yeah, you have a whole generation of people that know him as the best player of all time. And that's not a terrible assessment. No disrespect to Pele. Come over to the MLS. It's a league that's a little notch above the Saudi league. And just the exposure with the amount of teams, I think it's a no-brainer, plus it's closer to his native Argentina
0: yeah, the money is tough, though, right? I mean, there's just no way you can compare the money, and that's why Live Golf has taken off the way because they're just they're paying you so much money that you just can't say no. And that's why these guys are going and and basically doing it uh, and participating in these leagues. And the Saudi League is getting the matchups between top teams, right? I mean, they're able to play against some of the top teams in the world. so they're not really affected that much. Probably don't have to live there that often you know, just during the, the course of the season, I guess. And maybe not even then. They may not even have to stay that much that often then.
1: Yeah, that'd be an interesting case study to take when it's day in the life of a Saudi football star.
0: <laughs> it, it, there's got to be a plane. Uh, there's a private plane for them for sure. So if if they need to pop home, they go home.
1: To me, the most interesting and we alluded to this on the last show is what the relegation battle is shaping up to in the EPL where you got 12 through 20 separated by seven points. I haven't seen it like this. I don't think ever. I mean, maybe if we pulled out the last 20 years, it's been something akin to this, but the relegation battle is all over the place and you have teams that have never been relegated that are in the midst of it. And that's why I've been a proponent of the MLS having some type of of relegation but however i understand that the franchise fees levels that they pay that is impossible
0: yeah i'm taking a look at the at the epl and taking a look at some of the teams right now uh lester is lester sitting towards the bottom oh no the cinderella story is now in trouble uh everton even finding themselves down there but is this a case of really mediocre teams like when you have the two juggernauts when you have the two king kongs you just have a bunch of just average teams below it and they're all just kind of interchangeable
1: it's been a strange year i mean a lot of our predictions in the preseason look kind of terrible but everton's never been relegated you know you got nottingham forest sitting there trying to fight it out with the brutal schedule up ahead leicester they've been heavily injured but they're not somebody you would ever expect to be sitting on the doormat, to drop to the championship. And it's wide open. I mean, Crystal Palace, they've, they're they a solid London club. You're looking at the golden differentials too. It's just, I don't know if they're bad teams. I mean, it's just all over the place. I mean, Arsenal is clearly looking like the class. Obviously, Man City, we've talked about that. We don't need to rehash. But it's, it's just kind of what English football should be. You know, take your lumps and any given you know, Saturday or Sunday or Monday night, that can be a tough road for you.
0: Wednesday, April 26th. Don't forget to mark it down. That's going to be the matchup uh, of the two juggernauts right now at the top. Anything changing the way you think or the way that you see that match? Um, Where have you, have you set aside the plan? Have we, have we blocked out the calendar for that, that match to be able to watch it on TV on a Wednesday?
1: Yeah, I need to, I've been so busy that, I need to be developing some kind of COVID level sickness so I can assure that I will not be summoned for any type of work duties, but that 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 that's a big one right there. I I, I gotta see what time it is in the States, maybe at two o'clock, that's like a half day or two.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see what happens there, but looking forward to it, looking forward to all these big contracts, looking forward to more contracts for all those people that are out there listening to us right now, maybe the guys that are on the show, just everybody out there, hopefully you're signing some big deals wherever you are, like a Lionel Messi or a Cristiano Ronaldo. We're getting out of here. I'm going to give Texas Mike the last word, and then we are out of here with another episode of the Sports queue.
1: Well, CG, we just got to wish you best of luck on your big opportunity here this weekend on the Fox.
0: Yeah, we'll check it out. It's going to be exciting. Uh, listen for my voice. It should be exciting to hear the Wood Memorial. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just have some fun with it. Let it rip.
1: Big times for both of us, my friend. Looking forward to, I can't believe it's been 44 on this show.
0: 44. We'll talk to you guys next time. Hit that subscribe. Texas Mike, CG. It's a sports queue. We'll see you later.